Hello and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Shouse, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into our recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. Roger here, the last couple of weeks, you have taken us back to the Gospel of John and given us some key things to remember. Yeah, we're in the middle of a four-part series, as I have made it, from uh, John 13, 14, and 15. And multiple times in that section, Jesus tells the disciples he's going to leave. Uh, He's been with them for three years. He has calmed hearts, calmed storms, got demons to flee. He's healed sick. He's dealt with Pharisees and accusations. But now he lays upon them, uh, I'm leaving. And he doesn't just say, I'm leaving, but he leaves some help and some instructions with the disciples. In our first lesson, we talked about how Jesus wanted them to remember some things. Don't be afraid. Do not be troubled. Chapter 14 says, uh, believe in me. And so this past Sunday, we went on and talked about a second unit that Jesus was living with the apostles. And he tells them, to stay with him. Uh, the actual language from our Bible is to abide with me. And as we went through John chapter 15, that word abide is used about 10 times in there. And what's interesting is, is just the practical concept of that. I'm leaving, but abide with me. And, and you think, well, how can I do that? I can stay with you if you're here. I can be right on your heels. But if you leave, how can I abide? And what we find in John 15 is the Lord telling the story of the the parable of the story of the vine and the branches, that he is the true vine, we are the branches, and through that he develops this concept of relationships, that it's necessary for the vine and the branches to be together. The branch cannot survive without the vine. The vine will do fine without the branches, but not the other way around. And that they were expected to, to bear fruit. Multiple times Jesus says, that you will bear fruit. And then through that, verse 8 says, you will glorify my Father. And so uh, we kind of built upon this idea how we stay with Jesus, stay close to Jesus, is by staying close to his word. We need all the word to make us complete and follow God. And that's that's just some of those simple things we kind of found in that lesson there. So John 15, key text, our listeners, if you haven't had the opportunity to watch or to listen to the sermon, would certainly encourage you to do that. It's freely available at charlestownroad.org. It was a great way to set the tone for a new week. And I love having the opportunity a couple of days in to look back over, let's dig a little deeper, plant that seed, make sure that it's resting in our hearts the way that it ought to. John 15, verse 1, Jesus not only says, I am the true vine, he says that his father is the gardener or the vine dresser. And there are lots of ways we think of the father in heaven. I'm guessing if we had our listeners sit down and write down the top 10 ways you automatically think of your father in heaven, vine dresser probably isn't going to be in most top 10. So let's spend just a moment thinking about that. I don't have a vine in my backyard. I know some people do. But when we hear 
father as vine dresser. What does Jesus want us to picture and understand? Yeah, and, and in our culture, especially in the city, unless unless you have some uh, rural background to you, uh, vine dresser is just an odd phrase. I mean, we we get the idea of someone dressing the vine, and that, <laughs> that and then you say, okay, I don't understand what that means. And so, the gardener is is, is a term that I like because it, it's one we better understand. And so, when we think about the gardener, he he's going to go out there and look at that vine. And when there's branches that are dead, he's going to clip them off. When the grapes are ready, he's going to pick them off. He, he's going to be taking care of that. And, and and we might think of that same concept with our rose bushes or something else like that. We uh, I have a whole bunch of rose bushes. And every fall, one of my jobs is to cut them all back. And then they'll come out in the spring. And then as I go through that, I kind of work on those vines or, or those rose bushes to make them look more healthy. And, 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 and that's really the job of, of the gardener. That's God's job. He's working on us. And so uh, right there, there's a connection between us and God. God's not so far away that he's not engaged in our life and he's doing things to bring out the best in us. And that that really was, was what was the backdrop of this lesson because that's our theme this year, bringing out the best, giving God the best. Well, how do we do that? God, being the gardener, prunes us and gets us to be where we can be our best in that regard. All right. I want to come back to that important idea here in just a moment. Let's flesh the metaphor out just a little more before we do. The father is the gardener. Jesus describes himself as the true vine. Now, again, uh, probably a little foreign to a whole lot of us. In what way is Jesus a vine? Yeah, well, you know, when we think about the culture in which this was spoken in, in the, in the, the Bible region back there, there were lots and lots and lots of, uh, vineyards. Uh, many of Jesus' parables talk about that. His very first miracle was turning water to wine. Again, the concept of grapes. Uh, Matthew 20 talks about the laborers in the vineyard who were called different hours of the day to go and pick grapes. And so, so that, that was a, an illustration that many in the audience would not have to have explained to them. They would have understood that. Now, the, the concept of I am, multiple times in the Gospel of John, we find the I ams of Jesus. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. Here, I am the true vine. The idea of the true vine is, is that Jesus is, is really what gives us the substance. He's the one that's going to give us the life. He's the one that's going to bring us where we need to be with God. He's not a fake vine. He's not a temporary vine, an artificial vine, but he is the genuine thing. And because of Jesus Christ, because of his death, because of who he is, we have life. And that's how that's kind of connected there. You know, it is remarkable to me as I think about when he said this, this is the night before he's going to be crucified. And he knows that. That's not sneaking up on him. It it would be one thing for Jesus three years prior to have said, follow me. I will be like a vine and you will become my branches. But to say this the night before he dies I think it certainly gives us the idea, not only does he know that, yes, he's going to die on a cross, but three days later, he's coming out of the grave. But you brought up the idea of relationship, ongoing relationship. And that brings us to our third thing. Even death cannot sever. Jesus's death cannot sever 
he as the vine being connected to these disciples, the branches. So let's reflect just a little bit more on that relationship, the branch to the vine. Yeah, you know, as we mentioned in a lesson, you know, the the branch, uh, I used the illustration because we were just a few days behind Valentine's Day. Uh, a lot a lot of husbands will get their wives roses and you bring those home and you put them in a vase with some water in there and they look real pretty for half a week, but by about a week <laughs> and a half later they're gone. They're going to die and you throw them away. Well, why? Because they're no longer connected. They're no longer connected to what gives them life. And so it's divine that supplies the uh, nutrients, the moisture. It's what keeps those things alive. With, without the vine, uh, the branches will not produce grapes. They will not live. They'll wither up and they will die. And so spiritually, the connection is we have to be connected to Jesus. And that's where that idea of an essential relationship comes from. Uh, without Jesus, we will not have spiritual life. Without Jesus, we cannot become what he wants us to be. And so uh, that's very essential. You know, just a side point, I didn't even mention this in the sermon. I thought about doing it, but I decided not to. Um, you know, the, we, we hear sometimes people looking at this passage and they think the branches are various churches denominations. But that doesn't fit the context because Jesus, first and foremost, the night before his death is talking to the apostles. He's not talking to uh, a a conference or a congregation of a whole bunch of church leaders that represent a whole bunch of different faiths. There was one thing, that was Jesus. And so he's talking to the apostles here. And so when we think about the branches, it's not various churches. It's the idea of ourselves. Our, our relationship with Jesus individually. All right. So you used just a minute ago the phrase essential relationships, and that was one of your your three key points. We have to stay connected to Jesus if we want life. It is an essential relationship. We here in recent years have heard a lot about essential workers. We'll hear about essential personnel in various companies or essentials for graduating high school or college. But is a relationship with Jesus really Essential. You and I both know that there are some people who will loosely plan on being in a church building on the last Sunday in March as the culture around us observes Easter, and then they really won't think much at all about Jesus, maybe for months or for an entire year to come. That doesn't sound essential. So, why is a connection to Jesus absolutely essential? Well, again, to to the metaphor, the illustration Jesus is using, as the branch is connected to the vine, it has life. It's going to have green leaves on it. It's going to produce grapes. It's going to become what should be. Cut off, it's going to wither and die. Now, we may live, we may work, we may go to school, we may have a, a blast down here. But when we talk about ourselves spiritually, there's, there's something missing there. And that's what we're driving at. The type of life we're talking about is not existence. It's spiritual life. Uh, we pulled a passage out of 1 Timothy chapter 5 where the Apostle Paul describes some people as dead though they are alive. And, and, and that's exactly what we're talking about here. The idea that uh, it's more than wealth. It's more than letters after your name. It's more than the places I've been. Do I have a relationship with the Lord? Am I walking with Jesus in righteousness? Am I heaven bound? 
Am I giving my best to the Lord? That's, that's all kind of coupled in this idea of the branch being connected. If the branch is not connected to Jesus, it will not have spiritual life. And that's just, that's just the bottom line we have to begin with and see. I thought it was powerful. The very first visual that you gave us on Sunday morning was of a little, maybe two and a half, three year old boy in the middle of a busy airport. And he's got his little suitcase behind him. And you, you painted this word picture of how often you see in the airport, maybe a dad a few steps in front of such a little boy and, and you hear the dad saying, stay with me, right? Stay with me. But we can all wrap our minds around, it is essential for that little boy to be with his father if that little boy is going to get from point A to point B in an airport. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I I remember as a little boy being lost in the store one time, and uh, somebody in the store got me, put me up, and they had on a loudspeaker. All I knew was my first name. <laughs> and they, they're calling for the parents of Roger, you know, and I was bawling, you know, and, and, and spiritually, that's where, that's where we wind up being. And, uh, I use the analogy of, uh, in the story of the rich man Lazarus. There was a man who had everything. He had a belly full, he had closets full, he had everything, but the reality is he had nothing because he was empty spiritually. He was cut off from the vine. All right. So number one, we have to stay connected to Jesus if we want life. It is an essential relationship. Then you brought out the idea of a productive relationship. Now, I want to circle back because a few minutes ago, you brought out this idea of being pruned. And that comes from the analogy in John 15. Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So there's the productivity, right? But if I am a branch and I understand what it means to be pruned, that doesn't sound very fun. Well, yeah, you know, it sounds like it hurts. You know, it just does. And I don't, I don't know if that's what the Lord intended, but, but when you prune things, it, it, it's at first it looks bad because you cut things back, but then it allows things to flourish and better. And, and I know I prune my rose bushes. And when you do, you just get abundant, just, just a, just a beautiful, beautiful bush full of all kinds of flowers. And, and, and that's necessary. You know, in, in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 and verse 21, when, when Jesus was praising the man of five talents, he says, well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Then it says, enter into the joy of your master. I think we get the idea sometimes that when he came back with those five talents and, and he had doubled them to 10, the Lord just says, great, go on to heaven, you're done. But he doesn't. I'm going to put you in charge of more things. That's the idea of pruning. The idea of pruning is that God will, will equip us in such a way that we can do more. We, we, we're, we're more walking in wisdom of God. We have more experience. We have more knowledge. We have more compassion. We become more like Jesus. And so as a result, we do better. We do more. And, and most Christians who are really connected to Jesus can look back in their life and say, you know, where I'm at today, I'm doing so much more than I did five years ago or 10 years ago. I know so much more. My eyes are open to other people so much more. I think that's how the Lord prunes us. 
it may be it may come to us in the form of just sitting in a pew on a Sunday morning, and as the old analogy goes, the preacher steps on your toes, and and you have two responses. You can leave mad, saying, "Okay, preacher, I'm not going to listen to you anymore." Or you can leave with a thankful heart saying, I'm glad he said that because that's something I need to work on. And then what do you do? You step up your game. You, you, you work on those things. Maybe I've been neglectful as a husband or as a parent. And we have a sermon about parenting. And we think, yeah, you know, he's right. He's right. I, I need to turn that sports game off and just be with my kids more. And so what happened? You've been pruned by God through the scriptures. And that happens in just a number of different ways. But it's God's way to make us more productive, more beautiful, more abundant through his way. Yeah, and a lot of that has to do with leaving behind the old, right? I don't know a productive disciple of Jesus who wouldn't look back in their past and say, well, I was carrying this, I was involved in these bad habits or these outright sins, but I've taken seriously the call of Jesus to crucify the old person of sin and leave those things behind. The gate is narrow that leads to life, right? And so there are some things that I've picked up that shouldn't have ever been picked up. Thank God he's willing to help prune those things out of my life so that I can bear this good fruit. Now, real quick, what about this idea of every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away? Yeah, that's uh that's a difficult phrase, you know. It's it's you get this idea of this branch and again, the analogy of Jesus, we're talking about a vineyard, a grape branch on a vine, and you go in there and there's supposed to be grapes, and this one branch has nothing. Maybe it doesn't have any leaves, maybe it's just dead, maybe it's just it's just has leaves, but there's no no grapes on it at all. So he's going to cut that away. It's not doing what it should be doing. And again, back back to my rose bushes. Every once in a while, I'll go out there, and there's one that just doesn't look right. The leaves, the colors aren't right, or or there's no roses, and everyone, all the other branches have roses on them. So I, I may take out my shears and just cut that one branch off, and the other branches will fill that place in, and it will it will grow thick and healthy. But that one branch, it's simply not doing what it's supposed to be doing. And then the point of that is when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, God's going to try to get us to where we should be. Mm. And if not, uh, it's kind of like removing the candlesticks from the churches in Revelation 2 and 3. That is exactly what went through my mind as well. I'm glad that you brought that up. All right, so we have to stay connected to Jesus if we want life. It's an essential relationship. It is a productive relationship in order to become what God wants. And, of course, you drew everything to a close by talking about pleasing God, this glorified relationship. And so let's, for a moment, speak to the dad who's on his way to work first thing Wednesday morning, the mom who's out for a walk Wednesday afternoon. Help us understand what that glorified relationship is like. Well, you know, verse 8 of of John 15 simply says it this way, my father is glorified by this. And we kind of focus on this by this. What, what, what is the by this? By this is when we are a healthy, productive branch connected to the vine. That's how we glorify God. Jesus would say in the Gospel of Matthew that, uh, you know, by our good works, we will glorify 
God. So I think it glorifies God because that's what God made us for. God made us to be a branch that's productive. God made us do things that would be helpful to society. We are to be an obedient citizen. We're to be a servant in the kingdom. We're to be people that help one another. We're to be forgiving and compassionate. That's the way God designed us. And when we're doing this, God can look upon this and say, yes, that's exactly the way it's supposed to be. And, and again, it helps us to see that. Yeah, yeah. Making God proud by the way we live. W- what a great thing to think about here in the middle of this week. Uh, glory that will lead us all the way to a glorified home in eternity with him. That is worth thinking about throughout the day. I love the title, Stay With Me. That's something that all of us can carry with us throughout the day and the rest of this week. Roger, thank you for your good work in this series so far. I want to pick your brain as to where you're going to be here in just a moment, but before we get there, it is Wednesday, 7 o'clock p.m. this evening. We hope to gather together in the auditorium you're going to be teaching. We're teaching a, a series on expectations and uh, we we kind of go back and forth. We talk about some positive expectations, and then we flip to some who had mixed up expectations. So tonight we're going to talk about uh, part three of mixed up expectations. And some people had were expecting things and just really wasn't right with what the Lord thought. In our building block track of studies, we're exploring this month, what does it mean to be Holy. And so in part one, we talked about being dedicated. Part two, separated. If you've missed either one of those, you can watch them at charlestownroad.org. This evening, we're going to look at the idea of being prepared. What's it mean to be holy? We need to be prepared. We would love to have you join us. This Sunday morning, Lord willing, at 9.30 a.m., I've got the opportunity to preach. I'm going to take us back to Exodus 34, where we were a couple of Sundays ago. We looked at the glory of the Lord. Speaking of a glorified relationship, we heard Moses ask God, please show me your glory. And God gave him several positive characteristics of his glory, but he also talked about his justice. And so we want to look at both sides of that scale. We'll dive into how the justice of God also shows us his glory and what we need to do about it. Roger, what about you at five o'clock PM? Well, it's part three of this series from John 13, 14, and 15, as we talk about Jesus leaving. And I think one of the third things he tells them is simply to get along. I think any parent that has left the house to go out to dinner and they've had a babysitter, one of the last words they tell their kids is don't (laughs) fight. So we're going to talk about that. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. It would be great to see you tonight at 7 o'clock. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week. And we would love to have you come and grow with us.